Praise the Lord. We welcome you to our live broadcast. This day, September 19, 2021, shall we pray? In Jesus' name we pray. Our dear Lord and our God, we've come before your throne of grace to hear from you, to be used by you to reach your people. Your people come before you, O Lord, in supplication that they may know more. Father, we pray that your words will not return void. We will accomplish everything for which you have proposed in the lives of the hearers and those who watch and those who even the instruments you are using to communicate. Be God to your people, Lord, and bless them in their homes. Bless them wherever they go, Lord, with the knowledge of you, because that is the greatest blessing. And for those who have not known your name, Lord, at the hearing of this word today, Lord, may they repent and come into the serving knowledge of the truth, that they may become your children. This day we pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Instrumental taken from our brother Caleb Brassi. We can need to thank him. I need to pray that God blesses him and his own. Today's topic, I am coming soon. We concluded our series last Sunday in the Clash of the Kingdoms with the sons and daughters of God marching. Now they're looking onto that promise that the Lord made, I am coming soon. The outline, I am coming soon. Number two, Never take your eyes off Jesus, author and finisher of our faith. Never. I am coming soon. First scripture, please. I read from Revelation chapter 1, verse 9. I, John, am your brother and your partner in suffering and in God's kingdom, and in the patient endurance to which Jesus calls us. I was, I was exiled to the island of Patmos for preaching the word of God and for my testimony about Jesus. Praise the Lord. This John we are talking about, who gave out the words that became the book of Revelation, was the brother of James, one of the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was the last of the apostles to die. The only one church history says died naturally. See what he's telling us here. He was in the island of Patmos. He was not there by choice. He was exiled for preaching the word of God and for his bearing testimony of the lost death and resurrection. He was not there complaining to God, saying, send me a, a horse that rise in the air so I can go all over the world announcing it. After all, I'm the last of the apostles. No. He was there in this place praying. And the Lord gave him this vision, these revelations, which we have come to call the book of Revelation. For unbelievers and many in the world, they call it apocalypse. Yes, it's apocalypse to those who are inheriting eternal death. 
who are going to end up in a lake of fire. It is death to them. It is destruction of everything they held dear. All the beautiful edifices. Everything that will end. When that fire will consume the heavens and the earth and the new heaven and the new earth will arise. But the book of Revelation should be a joy for the children of God. Because it says there is a new beginning where they will be in the presence of God forever. Praise the Lord. I want to speak to all unbelievers watching this broadcast. Or those who play church. Who believe their denomination will take them to heaven. Or who believe their pastor or Jew will take them to heaven. You are an unbeliever. I'm saying there is no other way to inherit eternal life except through Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah sent from heaven to redeem you and I. Number one, the backslider. You have been jumping and playing with sin. Time to repent and come back to your Lord before the enemy takes you out. You know why? You have known the truth. So you are in danger. He can take you alive any moment because you are not covered by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why backsliders, you must run back to the Lord at the hearing of this message. Praise the Lord. To the lukewarm believer, you know, they wish you worship Christians. They are believers. But they are the foolish virgins. You are not ready. You are not ready for the Lord's coming because you are lukewarm. You are neither hot or cold. Oh yes, you are not a sinner because you have been redeemed by his blood. But you look one believe all the same. You take these messages to heart, but that's the end of the story. The next moment is only about your business. Never about the Lord's business. Child of God, you are hearing me. Time to redouble your efforts. You know who you are. The Lord and Savior and King is about to come for his children. He is coming and coming very soon. And don't say, oh, but they said many years. Of course, yes. A day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years is like a day in the Lord. The Lord is not bound by time. He will come any moment. Because I believe everything in the book of Revelation has been fulfilled for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The world has gone into great apostasy, and I mean the church of the Lord Jesus Christ that is apostate Christianity. Not the church of God that is still spiritually waiting, that are faithful and doing the work of the Lord. Separate them from apostasy. Says, I will not come until what? The falling away. The falling away has already, is already there. If you don't believe that the falling away has happened, it is already there in your church where you go. Let's scripture, please. I read from... Revelations chapter 22, verses 12 to 16. Look, I am coming soon, bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Verse 14. Blessed are those who wash their robes. They will be permitted to enter through the gates of the city and eat the fruit from the tree of life. Verse 15. Outside the city are the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idol worshippers, and all who love to live a lie. Praise the Lord! I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this message for the churches. I am both the source of David 
and the heir to his throne. I am the bright morning star. Praise the Lord. Sorry, I interrupted. The Lord's coming will reveal those who are the sons and daughters of God and those who are wicked. He says the wicked are outside the city. That city, if you're outside the city of God, that means you are in the lake of fire. They are the dogs. They are the sorcerers. They are the sexually immoral, murderers, idol worshippers, and all who love to live a lie. But let me go back and say something about verse 13. He says, I'm the Alpha and Omega. In the Greek alphabet, of which Alpha is number one, Omega is last. He is all in all. He's telling you he is God. He is the first and last. He's the, he's, everything is all around him and about him. He is I am. That's why I say I am is coming. God is coming. That should humble you and I. Why are they wicked? They are wicked because they refuse God's salvation. That's why people are wicked. I don't care how much good you do, you think good you do. But if you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, you are wicked. Because you continue to live a life apart from God. One in which there's a, the allegiance was to the kingdom of darkness. Because the world's allegiance is to the kingdom of darkness. So if you are living a life apart from God, your allegiance is to the devil and to the kingdom of darkness. And you are wicked. No matter what good you think you do. I didn't say so. The Bible said so. So I'm going to read John chapter 3 verses 16 to 21. It explains why you are wicked and why you are already condemned. If you don't repent. Please go ahead. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. Verse 19. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. Praise the Lord. Verse 18. Whoever has not believed in the Son is condemned already because he or she is wicked. He or she has not believed in the only Son of God who came and died for our sins. That's why you are wicked. That's why everything you do is evil in the eyes of God because you have rejected His Son. And what will happen? Next scripture, please. Hear what God is telling you today. Unbeliever, which is why you must repent. Romans chapter 2 verses 8 and 9. But he will pour out his anger and wrath on those who live for themselves, 
who refuse to obey the truth and instead live lives of wickedness. There will be trouble and calamity for everyone who keeps on doing what is evil, for the Jew first and also for the Gentile. Praise the Lord. You see, those who refuse to obey the truth instead live lives of wickedness. Whenever you are living a worldly life, it's a life of wickedness. If you are living a life that's not spiritual on this earth, you are living a worldly life. Even if you say you have believed, you are wicked. God is saying he will pour his wrath on you. I'm here only to deliver a message for you and I. All we are doing is to ask you to repent, my brother and my sister. Because the wrath of God is lying to all who live worldly lives. Even if they have, they can be the top member in their church, it doesn't matter. Because if you truly have accepted the Son as Lord and Savior, you'll be humble. You'll be like Jesus. You'll be like, don't try to finish off your faith. That's what the Bible is telling you and I. So who are those who wash their robes? In Revelation chapter 22, verse 14, we said. They were formerly sinners. And they were enemies of God. We were all enemies of God until we come to repentance. But they accepted his son as their savior and lord. And they have continued to live a life in obedience to their king. It's not just saying I've accepted, but they're living a life of obedience to their king. Former sinners, former enemies have become saints of God. They have become children of God. They have been washed in the blood of the lamb. They are pure in the eyes of God. They are the children of God. Listen to Colossians chapter 1, verses 19 to 21. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Verse 21. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Praise the Lord. You see, they have been washed by the blood of the Lamb. That's why you and I, who have been washed in the blood of the Lamb, are in the presence of God. He doesn't find fault with us. We are the saints of God. Because he reconciled us to his father at the cross. He died that you and I might live. So we can't be living worldly lives and living heavenly lives. It doesn't work. Heavenly life is to believe be spiritual. And we're going to find out at the end what we mean totally. It doesn't mean that the child of God cannot be tempted. You will be tempted because even the Lord was tempted as we're going to see when we go to the next item. But I want you now to listen to the next scripture and see how you can overcome. Romans chapter 8 verses 11 to 13. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit 
you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. Praise the Lord. Let me whisper a little secret. It's in the Bible, but it's many, many of us may not know. The devil does not tempt the unbeliever. There's no such thing. The unbeliever is his to do as he wills. He doesn't tempt them. He has no interest. They are part of his kingdom. If the Lord comes today, they are going with him. So he has no time to tempt them. He and all his hosts of demons and evil spirits are interested in those who have repented. They are interested in trying to bring down the sense of God. That's why you are going to face lots of temptations. You are going to face lots of trials. You are going to face lots of obstacles. Contrary to what they teach in many of your churches, you builders called churches. That's why he's telling you in verse 12. You have no obligation to do your sinful nature. Because if you, if you fall, you will die. But you must through the power of the Holy Spirit, and that is the key to overcoming temptation. Why? The Spirit of Christ in verse 11 lives in you. You see, remember the Holy Spirit is in you. So when you are that tempted, ask Holy Spirit, please help me. Help me, I need that strength. And you run away. He will give you the strength to flee from sin. And if you want to do it through your power, you will fail. No one is above temptation. If the Lord Jesus Christ was tempted, you will be tempted. And many times too. But you don't want to fall. Because in your falling, that may be the time God will require your life. Those who inherit eternal life are those who have refused to do what their sinful nature urges them to do. And if they ever fall, they run back again to God and cry out. They don't resist temptation by their power. They know the power in them is enabled to help them to run and be away from evil. To even recognize it from afar off and therefore not be in that company. To already listen to their inner spirit, he says, don't go to that place. That place is not for you. Don't go to that side. Don't go. He said, wait till tomorrow. Only he, the Holy Spirit, knows. So always looking worse before you make any decision, no matter how small it might be. Because it might be taking you away from evil, leading you away from temptation. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Children of God are those who through the power of the Spirit Put to death the deeds of your sinful nature. You don't have a choice. You must rely on him to just subjugate it. Because you know that they are attacking. They are going to tempt you from every side. Not today, not, not once, not twice. They will continue. And the more you resist, the stronger you become. And the stronger you become, the more you continue. And the more the, the grace of God continues to be in your life. And the more you recognize the power of the Holy Spirit in you. And the more you continue to overcome. And the kingdom of heaven says, Dearly my son, dearly my daughter. John was in the island of Patmos. Why didn't he say, Lord, you have allowed all the other ones to be killed and therefore lose his faith? No, he was there. An old man. And God says, no, I'm going to give this my faithful servant the vision for the end to show him that I am the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And here we are today, we continue to look at our creature comforts and allow the devil to continue to misdirect us. Saints of God through their power, they're coming to do good. They're always seeking after the glory of God. 
Don't they seek after the honor of God? Don't they seek for immortality? Because they know that it doesn't end here. Praise the Lord. Next scripture, please. Luke chapter 4. No, Romans chapter 2, verse 7. Romans chapter 2, verse 7. He will give eternal life to those who keep on doing good, seeking after the glory and honor and immortality that God offers. Praise the Lord. The more you seek after God's glory, the more you seek after God's honor, the more you seek after that immortality that has conferred on you, which you are going to inherit. Oh boy. The more the power of God flows through your life. And no man or woman can ever take you for a ride. You will look at the world and dead them. John dead them. So then pray the prison in the island of Patmos. And so what? His words today, the Lord gave him reverberates. And we reverberate to the end of the age. Praise the Lord. Next item. Never take your eyes off Jesus. The author and finisher of our faith. Never. Make sure you always focus on the Lord Jesus. Irrespective of whatever your situation is, your circumstance is. Always focus on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Praise the Lord. Let's look at the scripture. Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, verses 5 to 8. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you, and thy glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Praise the Lord. The devil had the audacity to tempt the Son of God. Think about that. If he could tempt him, imagine you and I. He had the audacity to tempt the Son of God. He took him to a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in verse 5, in a moment in time. And he says, all authority is given to me. And who gave him the authority? Adam and Eve, when they fell. They seated the authority God gave to them, to whom they had overcome them. That's how we became slaves of the name. And for this have been delivered to me, and I give it to whomsoever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. Meaning, you don't need to go to the cross. Don't have to do anything else. It's all yours. I'll hand over to you. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. You can only worship the Lord your God. Why am I saying this? Many of our pastors and Jehovah's Witnesses, etc., etc., have all fallen at this point. When the devil took them to the high mountain and showed them how big their ministries will be, showed them how wonderful the miracles that will happen, they said, why not? It's all for God. I want you to note this. You see, we in this ministry are not going to call them some point fingers. But we want you to use the word of God to know the truth. John, the last of the apostles, was in the island of Patmos. He was not crying. He was what? In exile. He was not living a luxurious life. Contrary to what they tell you, because we are hitting, we are about to hit the point now. 
Many of your pastors and church elders have worshipped at this mountain. The mountain of mammon. The mountain of wealth. He shows them the vista. They see the great stadium. They see the great cathedral. And they say, why not? It's all for the glory of God. False. Why do you think the prosperity teaching? Some people call it prosperity theology, but I refuse to give it that name. I made a mistake in the past of calling prosperity theology. It's not a theology. It's a teaching from the pits of hell. Those who preach them, and I'm not excusing anybody, have worshipped at that mountain. And they have taken their congregation to that mountain. I'm preaching today so that you can be delivered. It's no longer Pentecostalism. I call it Neo-Pentecostalism. I was once part of it. God in his mercy sent the Holy Spirit in Azusa in California in 1906 to create a band of warriors empowered believers. They went around the world in three years. They shook the world. And apostate Christianity was shattered. They were shocked. The world was never the same thereafter for a couple of years. Sadly. In less than 100 years, Pentecostalism has become the vehicle for the propagation of the Mammonic Gospel or the gospel of mammon, or the gospel of wealth, or the gospel of prosperity. It is no longer Pentecostalism. That's why it says Neo-Pentecostalism. It is not the Pentecostalism of Azusa. It is not the empowerment that happened at Azusa. No, it is no longer Pentecostalism. It is Neo-Pentecostalism. It is a post-Pentecostalism. It is not stand for God. In teachings and practice, it is always about money. It's always about riches. It's always about buildings. It's always about anything but the gospel of Christ. Many of us were part of it. I was part of it. Please tell me how those who claim to be children of God believe hoxas because that's what they are. They are common men and women who claim to have power to prophesy money into bank accounts. Tell me. People are telling what they call miracle money crusades. So that these enemies of the gospel who claim to be preachers and pastors can prophesy and money will hit their bank accounts instantaneously. Tell me how a child of God, filled with the Holy Spirit, can believe such wickedness. I want to ask, what job or service did those who purportedly receive miracle money in their bank accounts what job did they do to receive that money? The same con men and women, con men and con women, are the ones who use props to claim healings and miracles to deceive their followers and to get more following. If these officers can make money drop into people's accounts, 
Why do they not have them drop into their ministries so that they can stop deceiving the people? We know times are hard. <laughs> but I want to tell you something. There have been, always been times are always hard for the child of God. If you truly serve God, times will always be hard. Yes, that is the truth. Times will always, because even when you do have, you should still live as if you don't have. There is no excuse for a child of God to believe anything that is not scripturally based. Yes, I know. They use Matthew chapter 17 verse 27 to justify this wicked teaching. They tell you, ah, but the Lord Jesus Christ asked Peter to go into the lake and throw in a, 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 a line and catch the first fish. And he will find a silver coin. Take it and pay the tax for both of us. That's what Christ did. Yes. But that's, there's no parallel there. What their captive audience already amassed in the prosperity doctrine failed to ask themselves is this. What did the Lord and Peter do with that silver coin? Was it to go and enrich themselves? Or was it to go and pay temple tax? Anyone who believes the worldly prosperity doctrine that God does not want his children to be poor. For some we tell you poverty is a curse. And that in fact poverty is given by demons, devil. They are the most likely ones to buy into this wicked new teaching. Miracle money. Miracle money. Indeed. If you believe it, repent to them. Go back to the cross. You are not a believer. You have become an unbeliever with that. Sadly, most people who identify as Pentecostals, and I say this without apologies, believe worldly prosperity teachings. Most Pentecostals believe worldly prosperity teachings. Take it from me, I know. Many of them will deny this assertion, including my former associates. I know. They will deny it. But trust me, they are lying and are deceiving themselves. Because subliminally, within them, everybody says, oh, God is going to prosper us. It's always about prosperity. It's never about seeking the lost will and doing the will of God. If people like David Livingstone had depended on prosperity, he would have led the United Kingdom to go to Africa to preach the gospel. I've been there, remember. So I'm not speaking from but I'm not going to mention it doesn't matter. And I know what I'm talking about. Greed sells. Let me tell you, greed sells. Greed has so many worshippers. If I tell you today, oh, with this ministry, once you come in, give us money, everything is going to be... Oh, I'm telling you, you all, it's a lie. Greed sells. And greed has many worshippers. And greed is not from God. You can only be free the day you begin to study the Bible. Don't take any person's word above God's word. And I don't mean group Bible study. I don't mean even family Bible study. I mean you and God alone as you study the Bible. Because when you study the Bible, you show God that you love him. That you want to know more of him. Remember that. 
Been studying the Bible, yes, you're going to have confusion at some point, but if you depend on him, he will put you through. He will bring other resources that will confirm his word to you. Let me ask you a question. How do these pastors, so-called pastors, know your bank account numbers? Those of you who have received miracle money. I'll tell you how. You pay tithes into their so-called ministries, don't you? You use your debit or credit card. So they have your bank information. They have your email addresses. They have other personal information. Abba, so easy. They could be also using techniques called phishing. It's PH instead of FI phishing. And the same thing anyway. They use it to pry out that information the same way internet scammers do. They are the same as internet scammers. They use it, they have your information. So when they say the miracle money, they are the ones sending the money to your account. Phishing is a fraudulent practice, I want to define it for you, of sending emails purporting to be from reputable companies or ministries in order to induce individuals to reveal their personal information, such as passwords and credit card numbers. When you do, of course, it will hit your account. And say, praise God. And when that so-called miracle money hits accounts of those in that audience, those persons have become the slaves of that wicked person for life. From that moment, they believe everything they tell them to do, even prostitution, even stealing from their place of work, and any other unsavory acts. It will be that they're doing for the Lord, they're doing for the ministry, and God's going to bless them. Once you accept such wicked teaching and it hits your account, you become pawns of these false preachers and pastors. And you convince yourself that you are doing the work of God. How many so-called GOs, pastors, and elders have spoken against miracle money? I suspect that most of them won't. Not because they may not want to, because they've said this has gone too far. But because they have also been calling their followers with fake miracles, seed money, and other worldly prosperity messages. That's why they can't speak out. Many have kept quiet. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if in a short time, miracle money doesn't become one of the central tenets of neo-Pentecostalism. And I'm asking the question, how come many of us who claim to be children of God are not repulsed by these aberrant teachings and practices? You want God to come down from heaven and fight for himself? Then you're a child of God, what are you here for? To think that Christ's sufferings and death were for his followers, to become rich, is one of the most heinous teachings that Satan has brought into Christianity. Christ did not die so that his children will live a life of affluence, no. On the contrary, his children are to live simple lives, even those who he chooses to bless with material wealth. The wealth of true children of God belongs to God, not to them. They must be used at God's direction. If you're a rich brother or sister, God has blessed you with wealth. You end it legitimately. And you think that you can spend it on yourself and whatever pleases you. You are, you are wrong. 
God has allowed you to have those riches to use it for his work. I'm not talking about those who collect tithes and offerings from their followers. No, those are con men and women. I'm not talking about those. I'm talking about genuine children of God who through their hard work, through their industry, have wealth. It's not for you to spend lavishly. It's not for you to live and love lavishly. It is for you to what? Be like Christ. Be humble. If you know you have, be like the poor. And use it to do whatever God lays in your heart to do. Not to contract your money to anybody, but use that wealth of God giving you to do whatever God leads you to do. The wealth God has given to the rich who are genuine believers is to be used for the mission of God. Which is to preach the good news. So I'm more captives to be free. And I'm not saying contract anybody or give them. No, you have to use what he has given you to do what he lets in your heart to do. Praise the Lord. Matthew chapter 6 verse 19 to 34 shows that God cares for his children. He cares for our needs and he will provide for us. Whatever he knows is good for us, he will provide. Just be faithful. And so long as we're in this world, we will experience hardship. It's all over in the Bible. Go and read John chapter 16, 33, John chapter 15, verse 8. There are so many verses in Scripture to show that those who are children of God suffer. Next scripture, please. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Praise the Lord. Never take your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Except you and I look unto Jesus, our Savior, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, the shame, the pain, the hurt. We can never run this race to eternal life successfully. Never take your eyes off Jesus. Except to look unto Jesus and never take our eyes off him. We become weary and discouraged. By the force who being promoted and practiced by those who claim to be church elders. Let me repeat. Except to look unto Jesus and never take our eyes off him. We become weary and discouraged by the force who being promoted and practiced by those who claim to be church elders. Only Jesus, the Christ, is Lord. Only Jesus, the Christ, is the Savior. And only He is coming shortly to give out the report cards. Only He can make you whole this day if you are backsliding. Only He can turn your unbeliever this moment into a believer and his child. Please 
Don't waste a moment at the hearing of this word. Don't waste a moment at the watching of this broadcast. And it's only by going to Calvary, that means a cross, can any the proud be humbled. I invite us to go back to the cross today, where our Lord died for us this day, and make amends. The nadir of creation, that means the, the lowest point of creation, was reached when the Son of God suffered for our sins. Therefore, when we are tempted, we must resist with every fiber of our being by inviting the Holy Spirit who will give us that grace. Resisting sin must be, uh, resist sin like a plague and a death sentence. Resisting like cancer, that you don't want to have cancer. Resisting with everything in you because he can come any moment. Each time you are tempted, ask him to lead you to Calvary. Because at Calvary, a lot of things happen. You become whole. King of my life, I crown thee now. Thy shall the glory be. Lest I forget thy tongue crown brow, lead me to Calvary when I'm weary. Lest I forget Gethsemane, lest I forget thy agony, lest I forget thy love for me when I'm in danger, lead me to Calvary. Show me the tomb where thou was laid. Tenderly mourned and wept. Angels in robes of light arrayed. They gathered thee whilst thou slept. When I'm in danger, lest I forget Gethsemane. Take me to Calvary, lest I forget thy agony. Lest I forget your love for me, for which you died for me. Lead me to Calvary. Let me, like Mary, through the gloom, come with a gift to thee. Show to me now the empty tomb. And lead me to Calvary when I'm in danger of falling. Lest I forget Gethsemane, God. May I never forget Gethsemane. May I never forget your agony. May I never forget your love for me. Always Calvary before me. The cross before me. May I be willing, Lord, to bear daily my cross for thee. So that I am not tempted by the world. So I'm not drawn into the world. I'm not drawn into wicked living. Even that cup of grief to share, Lord, I don't please me the grace to share in that cup of grief. Because you have borne all for me. 
Let's not forget Gethsemane. Let's not forget the agony. Let's not forget that Lord for me. Lead me to cover. That should be your song. That should be my song. That should be the refrain every time we are tempted. Every time we are weary. Every time we are hard pressed. Always remember, when you go to Calvary, when you ask God to open the vista of your eyes to see Him hanging on the cross, you find that that temptation will flee because the blood of Jesus Christ. They cannot withstand the blood of Jesus. The enemy can never withstand the blood of Jesus. So always go to Calvary when you have been tempted and they will flee from you. And they are the feet of the Lord Jesus who will dedicate your life. Shall we pray? Our Father and our God. Your word is here. Amen. Lord, confirm these words with signs and wonders in the life of your children. May they see and experience your presence. May they have your words dropped in their hearts. When they wake up in the morning, may they have that scriptures springing up from their hearts because they studied the day before. May you use it, Lord, to show them that you want them to have fellowship with you. You desire our individual fellowship. They have to have individual fellowship with you before they can go out and fellowship with others. They have to be in a relationship with you, my Father, my God. You sent Jesus to die for me, for them. Help your children, Lord, because the times are evil. The enemy is running all over the place, confusing them with wicked doctrines. But Father, if they studied your word, they will not fall. I pray this the Lord that all who have heard, if there's nothing else they gain to the Lord, they will go back to their closets and carry their Bibles and begin to read. And begin to read. And begin to read. They begin to read. They begin to read. And never let go. And as many as will obey, Lord. Bless them with your knowledge. Bless them with your power. Bless them, Lord, so they can see your glory. And see that day, that day that will come. When the heavens and the earth will disappear. And a new heaven and a new earth will come. And the glory of the Lord will radiate all over creation. And everything will be as it was before. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, for everything. For everything, Lord. For everything, Lord. For everything, Lord, oh God. Your insights and everything, Lord. And bless all who are in this ministry. And all who support us through their prayers. Thank you, my Father, my God. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Praise the Lord. If it's His will, I'll see you next time.